This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. And now, it is live. It is live time. Oh boy, it's time killer. This time change stuff. Who likes time change, right? I mean, anybody? Anybody like time change? Hands up. Nobody, no, no nobody time, likes change. No, no hands up. Okay. I like, I like the, uh, I like daylight savings. I'm a big fan of that. It what's, takes a little that? while to get used to it. The fact that you know, oh, the sun's still out, and then you look at a clock and you realize that it's eight o'clock at night. You go, oh, where'd the, where'd my evening go? But um, yeah, I don't mind it. Although it makes things more difficult for us because now instead of being 14 and a half hours apart, I think we, I went forward like an hour, you went back an hour. So now it's 16, 16 and a half hours. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. That's so weird. It's odd how, they, how it switches like that. I mean, I sort of yeah. get it. I kind of get it, right? But like, it's just weird. Mm. I always wondered why it was two hours. Like why, why when it switched, it was two more hours, but that makes sense now. I never, I never put that yeah. together. Yeah, I think we've got because you only just came off of summertime, right? Yeah, and we've been on summertime for about four weeks. It's a work. I, honestly, I can't stand it. Like, I can't stand it when it's like, all right, hey, looks like it's starting to get dark sooner. Let's make it even worse. Like, let's make it so yeah. <laughs> it's dark at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, that's that's no fun. Yeah, you get home and you don't want to do anything. You don't want to go outside. Exactly. It's yeah. like yeah. I'd rather be. But it's also cold, so you probably don't want to be out there anyway. Yeah, it's it's true, it's true. I just need to. <laughs> I just need to move to like Alaska, where it's sunny for like you know days on end. There's like certain periods of yeah. the year where not sunny, but like the sun doesn't go down. Like it just kind of lowers in the horizon and then goes back up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Okay, so we've got. I've got a couple different sections kind of here. Uh, we've got Laravel related news. Which we've got a two things on. We've got community projects, we've got two things on. And I've got packages, we've just got four on. And we've got some interesting community links this week too. So we'll see how much of that we get through. But we can start with Laravel-related news if that sounds good to you. That sounds great to me. Okay. The first thing I've got up on the list is Laracon Online 2018. So this yes. is the second year that we've done this, right? Laracon Online? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? So I think it was in February or March of this year. It was a very short timeline that uh, the Userscape team put this together. So Ian Landsman, Eric Barnes, and others, of course, put together this conference. In as I said, it was a very short six or eight week yeah, period. It was quick. Yeah. So next year, back in February the seventh. 2018 we are getting close to 2018 jake there's, oh, there's less than two months left of this year it's i know it's a little bit scary and depressing i can't believe it when it hits 2020 <laughs> that's going to be a sad day i'd be like no yeah, way we won't be far. 2020 it's been 20 years since like the the change you know the that's right yeah that's gonna since be the y2k this is the y2k yeah that never happened that was <laughs> yeah anyway yeah so laricon 2018 no hotels, no airfares, nothing. Just sign up online 
and spend the day watching some of the best speakers or night as the case would be for me. Right, if, right. If I was to take part, I think it starts about 12.30 a.m. Oh, my gosh. And works its way through to sort of 9, 10 a.m. So Jim Paul uh, the later. speaker list has been put up online. So obviously Taylor is going to speak, Matt Stauffer, Adam Wathen, Chris Fidel, Wes Boz, who if you're not familiar with, does a lot of online teaching. So he does ES6 for everyone. He's got a React course. He's got a Node course. I think he's working on one at the moment that deals with uh, MongoDB. Oh, cool. So uh, it'll be good to get his perspective as well. Steve Shoger, who's been very active in the community of late uh, with his design tips. Also, Jonathan Rennick. And for those of you who were at Laracon in Louisville in 2016, Sandy Metz is also going to be giving a talk. Which is awesome. It is, it is. So we've got a lot of different people covering a lot of different topics from uh, from Laravel to servers to design and everything else in between. Registration is open now. And how much do you think a full-day conference would set you back, Jake? Probably a couple hundred bucks. I mean, or maybe at least a hundred bucks. You know, that would be reasonable. That would be a reasonable price. Even when you look at some conferences just to get the videos and not even to get the videos live, but you might get them, you know, post-produced, edited or whatever down sure. the track. It'd yeah. be pretty expensive. Yeah. But for Laracon Online, it's all live. You've got the, the Slack community so you can ask questions and engage with speakers for the whole day. If you sign up now, it's $12. 12 bucks. $12. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I, I've never heard of an online conference for twelve dollars, and the thing is too is like this is for more than just Laravel people. You know what I mean? Like you talk about like having design and servers and that sort of stuff. Chris Fidel was like Mister Server, Mister Docker as well. Yeah, you know Steve Shoger is uh, design. Uh, I think Jonathan Rennick. I think he's a big CSS guy. Is that correct? I believe so. Uh, that I mean, he's been doing a lot of work with Adam, right? Until uh, and Steve and yeah. even David Hemphill. Yeah, on. Tailwind. Right. Right. So this is really, I mean, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. And 12 bucks is so affordable. I hope they have a huge turnout. I uh, I can't remember how many people we had last year. Yeah, it was like four or 5,000. That sounds I right. Off the top of my head. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. So hopefully this year it's even at least as big, if not bigger. It's, I'm sure it will be. I mean, the fact that last year they put it all together in like six weeks or whatever, and this year they're able mm-hmm. to start kind of the year before. Hopefully it, uh, hopefully it blows up. It goes crazy. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good to see how many they get this year as well. But you know, that twelve dollars obviously for the videos and and all of the community aspect of it. But you also get a whole bunch of digital swag, which is to be announced currently. But for the twenty seventeen conference, we got things like there was a free dot co domain. There was what else? Do you remember? Um, there was a whole bunch of stuff. There, yeah, there was a whole bunch of like discounts and promo codes for all these services and things like that. But I think that was one of the most popular ones was this free.co domain. Mm-hmm. And I think they might be doing yeah. that again this year. So that would be interesting. I thought I read that somewhere. So I, th- I think they might do that again. Yeah. So that'd be cool. So yeah, as, as I said, $12 for the, this, the early bird special. After the early bird is up, it'll go up to $25. So still reasonable. Oh, yeah. There's no reason why you can't drop twelve dollars yeah. right now. Yeah, so we'll probably take the day off at work, or take. I mean, I say take the day off. We're, we'll be doing this for the work day. So probably get our developers together, take over the conference room for the day, and watch their account online, which will be pretty cool. I know yeah. last year didn't they have people kind of 
saying almost like a meetup meetup where it's like, Hey, come to this location and we'll all kind of hang yeah. out and watch it together sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool idea. And, uh, I think there'll be a lot of, a lot of turnout from the community this year, hopefully internationally as well. You know, I know we've got a lot of communities and in other places around the world and it has just been, uh, evident, uh, through the new Laravel podcast sort of format with Matt Stauffer interviewing these people from kind of all over the place. So, uh, hopefully we get yeah. some international interest as well. That'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Okay. We've also got something in Laravel 5.5, which is new route methods. Now I have not looked at this blog post confession. I haven't looked at it at all. So I'm going to look at it right <laughs> now. And although, you know, I, even though I haven't looked at it, I've, I've used some of this stuff uh, already. So traditionally, the way that the route methods work is that they match the verbs that you would use to access a particular route. So the verbs that we were talking about are something like get, post, patch, uh, those sorts of verbs is what we're talking about. So typically these are going to be defined in one of a couple places. If you're using something like 5.3, I think it's going to be in your routes.php file. If you're using 5.4 and above, it's going to be in your web.php, your api.php, uh, or any of the other fancy little uh, yep. spots that you decide to put your routes, which is, uh, I love that, by the way. Uh, so you'll say something like route colon colon get. You'll put the pattern that you're looking to match, then maybe the controller and the method that you're looking to point that to, or you could do a closure or any number of those things. So what we're talking about today is we're talking about additional methods that are not those verbs. What are some other ones you can think of, Michael? There's one in particular I'm thinking of that's not a verb that we probably use on a regular basis. Yeah, so this is route resource. That's the one I'm thinking of. Um, you got it. one of them. You've got route groups as well. Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So those are two kind of the other ones that we that were introduced previous to this. But now with 5.5, five, we have some new ones that are really actually super convenient. How many times have you found yourself needing to just return a view? That's it. That's all you need is like when somebody hits this endpoint, I just need to return a view. In the past, what you'd probably do is you'd probably define you know, what pattern you want it to match. And then you just pass a closure and all you would do in the closure is return the view that you need to do. All right. So yep. with 5.5, there is a new view method. So you can say route view, the pattern, and then just the name of the page that you want to send through. In addition, you can also pass in an array of variables that will be passed to the view. So just like you would if you were using the view global uh, helper, you pass the name of the view. And then as a second argument, you pass whichever uh, values you want to be injected in. That's the same thing you can do here. So you pass a pattern, the name of the page, and then as a third argument, any of the data that you want to go in. This is super helpful. If you were ever wanting to do something where you needed to like perform a query or something like that, I would still suggest either going with, you know, putting it into a controller or passing a closure. I think that would work. That would work uh, better probably in this instance. There's not really anything you can do mm. that's going to look any cleaner. Uh, by doing it this way, if you needed to do a query, uh, unless it's something really, really simple yeah. and you could just kind of inline it. But yeah, I think the main one would be on the, the example that's in the blog post is an about page, but really any kind of static page that you'd have in your application, things that don't change that. And when I say static, I mean things that don't change that often. Sure. So an about page or a contact page and things like that, you know, even a sales page maybe would have very little content change. You know, might have pricing on there and it's not dynamic. You don't change it. So those kinds of things this is useful for as well. Yeah, what's the other one we got here? The other method we got here is route redirect. So previously, you know, you might might have done the same thing uh, if you were redirecting or changing an endpoint, for example, mm -hmm. if you had, 
you wanted to send a user from one format to another or you wanted to send them from about us to who we are, for example, previously you would, again, use a, a route closure and then basically just redirect the old route to the new route or, you know, you'd come up with a single action controller or something like that. So, yeah, route redirect and route view are the two that, that have been added into 5.5. One, one of the best bits about all of this or the most important parts is that when you have a closure in your routes file, you can't actually cache oh, interesting. your routes file in production, Didn't right? Because it uses a closure and that can't be serialized uh, or PHP can't serialize that function. So by using these new, you know, the view and the redirect helper methods, it means that it's it's just references, like string references to your application view or to some other endpoint in your application. So it now means that you can use these things in line replace any of those closure routes that you may have in your application and you can still, you know, cache your routes file in your production environments. So that's really handy as well. That's pretty cool. I'm guessing also that route is macroable. I think it is, isn't it? I, I can't imagine it wouldn't be after Hacktoberfest. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be, right? Uh, so if that's the case, and I'm guessing it is, that would kind of lend itself to being able to replace some of these, uh, any other closures that you have that may be common across your code base. If it's macroable, you could kind of make your own little method there yeah. and replace some of those closures, which is pretty cool. I feel like there's, I think there was one other thing that was, maybe what I was thinking yeah, of is like, is. what were you going to say? Yeah, it is, it is macroable. It is macroable. I mean, okay. I can't imagine under what circumstances you would, but it's there. Yeah, it's there. It's there. I think the other thing I was thinking of that I was confusing with being a route method or something like that was uh, the fact that mailables are renderable. So, but I think you just return the mailable actually. I wonder if you could do that. That would be probably... You do. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really anything you'd want to keep in a production application. So it wouldn't really necessarily make sense to have a method for it directly on the route. Well, unless you were, you know, unless you were presenting web versions of your emails. Yeah, actually, that would be a really good way to do that. Huh, yeah. interesting. You could just dump the mailable straight out, which may That's or may not have its own complications depending on how you're sending those mailables. You'd probably have to track, you know, any dynamic information. You or, would, you know, right. if, if it was addressed to a user, for example, you'd have to know who that user was. So, I mean, you would just append that to your, you know, to your links in the email or whatever. Hmm. That's interesting though, right? That's interesting as a way to display that email. Yeah. To your users in the browser. Because you always get that, right? That link that says, hey, are you having a hard time viewing this in your email client? View it in the browser. Yeah. And then you click that and it goes through. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Maybe someone will make that route mail or something. Who knows? Hmm. Who knows? Okay. So that's good. Uh, there's a bunch of, of course, there's all, we have coverage of all of the Laravel 5.5 changes and the official release notes and all that stuff on Laravel News. So you can check that out at your leisure, as Michael would say. Would you say leisure or leisure? Yeah. Lysurier. 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 Very nice. Very <laughs> nice. Okay. That reminds me of, there's this movie called... Van uh, Wilder Party Liaison. A, a Christmas Story? Uh, is that a, a Christmas story? Was it? No, it was Van Wilder. No. Oh, yeah. From. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, okay. 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 I'm looking for <laughs> a Christmas story, which is... Um, which is just like a fun traditional movie that we watch every Actually, year around Christmas. I tell a lie. I've got my sources mixed up. Van Wilder was leisure. He said leisure. Okay. Lysurier is a, a British stand-up comic called Eddie Izzard. <laughs> okay. You say leisure. We say Lysurier. All right. So I actually say leisure. I don't know if that's wrong or not. You say, what? Well, how do you say it? Leisure? 
Leisure. Leisure. Yeah. yeah. I say leisure. And I'm I may be wrong, but I think there's probably a lot of people who say it that way. Maybe this is one of those things. Maybe this is one of those blind spots in my life where like nobody's ever had the guts to tell me that I'm actually saying it wrong. Um, um Yeah, I think I mean, you're not the first American <laughs> person that I've heard say leisure, so Okay. All right, maybe it's we'll, more common. We'll just let it slide. Okay, we'll let it slide. <laughs> All right. But on uh there's this um there's this movie called A Christmas Story. Watch every year in the dad uh, wins this grand prize package or something, whatever. And it's just, anyway, it's this leg, this leg lamp that he puts in his window. Maybe you've heard of this. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe not. Anyway, he gets this nah, box. Sure. He gets this box in the mail and, uh, it says fragile on the side and he reads it. It says like Fred, he's like fragile must be French <laughs> or something. I think is what he says, <laughs> but, uh, that's what it reminded me of. Legerie. Very nice. Okay. Onward and upward, my friend. We've got two community projects I uh, wanted to talk about here. We've got, and oddly enough, these are both being done by people who are speakers at Laracon Online this year. So we've got two of them, the first one being Tailwind CSS and the second one being Vessel. So I'm going to let you pick which one you want to talk about and then you go for it. Which one Which one do you want to take? Uh, well, because I've been playing with it recently, I guess I'll talk about Tailwind. Do it. So Tailwind is something that I'm sure many people in the Laravel community already know about. It's been talked about by um, a lot of different people. Taylor's been talking about it. Adam Wathen as one of the creators of that utility-first CSS framework has been talking about it for a long time as well. He's been working on it. And this, I think, I mean, it spun out of his webcast series where he was or his live streams where he was talking about or, or, or showing his viewers how he was working on this project, Kaitao. And people saw that he was using utility class names. And a lot of people from that, I think, started asking, well, you know, you're going to spin this out into a package that other people can use. And at, initially, it wasn't in a place where he thought it was wanted or or that it was ready for prime time. But he got together with Steve Shoger and, and Jonathan Rennick and I think then later on David Hemphill as well. And they have this week released the first alpha of Tailwind CSS. Yeah, so maybe we could talk a little bit about kind of like its methodology. I don't know if that's the right word, methodology. More like kind of like just the idea behind it. So it's a utility-based CSS framework, right? And I think I was very first introduced to this whole idea, a utility kind of only really, and I... I don't want to like pigeonhole it to being utility only, but that's certainly like kind of the flavor. It looks like it comes in by default, right? Is yeah. you can you can extract components and things like that and make it easy to do that. Yeah. But uh, it's very heavily utility based. And I think the first time I ever saw that was David Hemphill's beard uh, beard CSS. And so yeah, I think he. I don't know when he got involved in the project. But yeah, it kind of like that was my first introduction to it and kind of and how I've used it. So for people who haven't seen it before, for people who have not seen utility-based CSS frameworks before, it can feel weird. And I remember it took me a little while to come around to it when I first saw mm -hmm. it because people were like, wait a second, that does not look right. Like this, you've got all these styles kind of defined in your HTML there. Why, why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. And yeah. um I think having, if you haven't listened to any of the podcasts 
that Adam has kind of put out there, kind of talking through this or talking about this. I could totally see where you're coming from, but there is a lot of really good reasons for doing it this way. The idea kind of like that the complexity has to live somewhere yeah. and nobody likes editing CSS. It's horrid. When was the last time you edited CSS and you're like, oh yeah, I can just reuse that class that somebody made six months ago. It never <laughs> happens, right? Yeah. You always just kind of like yeah. find your own little corner in the world and try and make sure that you don't collide with anybody else's stuff. And then what ends up happening is you just get more and more and more and more and more CSS cruft. Yeah. All right. So by using these utilities, you kind of give yourself some limitations. You say, these are the defined things that I can do. And the really nice thing as well is that you don't pretty much ever have to go into a CSS file. To, to make changes you can just it's almost like i think david told me like it's like vim for css right you just like you stay in the browser <laughs> yeah you're in your html you're just adding stuff adding classes or whatever and, and it, it's it's pretty amazing so we've adopted not all the way utility based stuff but we've pulled in a lot of utility classes specifically around padding and margin and then yeah. also like flexbox stuff and it's been really awesome i'm really liking it so you know i've been trying it a little bit i'm kind of I'm I'm on that bandwagon though. I can get there with it. Yeah. Yeah. It, spacing is the main one that I was using it. If you're using something like a bootstrap or a foundation that gives you a default set of components like buttons, you've got forms, you've got things like that. Right. If you ever need to change in one place a position or you need to increase the padding between a couple of paragraphs or you want to move some divs around, there's nothing within the framework. And that's when you start getting a lot of websites that start to look very similar yeah. because the, the components that they're pieced together with are all the same. Exactly That's the, the same. idea. Yeah. It was designed to be easy to rapidly prototype an application. But I think somewhere along the way, it was lost that it was not about making every website look the same. It was about providing you a framework to build the websites. So with Tailwind, because it's entirely utility-based from the ground up, there is no components. There are no buttons. There are no form elements. There's nothing like that. It's just a set of composable classes that you can use to essentially build whatever kind of interface you need. And to your point that, you know, because you're doing it all in the browser, you you don't have to go and edit any CSS files. You don't, you know, I found myself today using it on more than one occasion going to run NPM run. And you just don't have to do that because all you're doing is adding another class to your to your browser. Yep. And that's not to, to say that HTML, yeah. you know you have to ju repeat yourself every single time because it's component based. Tailwind actually lets you basically componentize common things. So if you want to do a button, for example, your button is always going to have rounded corners. It's always going to have a certain amount of padding, and it's always going to have a drop shadow. Well, you can compose a button element, and then you can just apply whatever colors you need. Right. On the element After the in fact. your HTML. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's very easy to compose these these pieces of these UI elements when you need them. But if you're doing something very simple, it's very easy to just spin up your UI using a series of classes that you apply to your attributes. Yeah, and you can think about it like of the whole as the whole argument. We'll wrap this up, people, because I know this is not the tailwind <laughs> CSS podcast, but it's okay. Uh, you can think of it sort of as like uh, inheritance versus composition, really, right? You know, yeah. and that's is that's really kind of what it is when we're talking about this. So you got, if you've got inheritance stuff, it can be really useful to a point, but there's a, there's a spot where it starts to get really hairy and nasty, right? And, yeah. And uh, yeah. So and then with composition, you just kind of have all these different functions you compose together, right? They're just drop in pieces. 
And so mm-hmm. that's that's kind of a, a decent parallel for people who are trying to figure out how to, how to think about this. So anyway, yeah. it's it's out there now. It's It's been in development for quite a while. I know one of the things that they worked really hard on was documentation. And so that looks really good. I know there's still PRs coming in and, and they had just basically got to a point where like, okay, we need to ship this thing. Let's get it out there. Let's yeah. get some feedback. So uh, yeah, go check it out. Yeah. Try it out. Give some feedback to Adam and uh, the team there and thank them for all their hard work on that. Definitely. Yeah. All right. The other thing that we've got going on is from Chris Fidel, who is the author of Server for Hackers and uh, Shipping Docker. He's so he's been out there since the early days of Laravel, and he's got a new lightweight Docker environment for Laravel that he's calling Vessel. And so he started it because he wanted to make it easier for people to work with Docker who are also using Laravel. So it comes with uh, PHP 7.1, MySQL 5.7, Redis, Node.js with NPM, Yarn, and Gulp. And you just compose or require this thing. And then you publish the assets. And then I think you just have to have Docker running uh, or Docker installed. And he's got, you know, he's got documentation out there, of course, for how to get all of that set up. But just making it a little bit easier for those of us who have either got really limited experience with Docker or who are just sick of typing in Docker commands to get their stuff to, to work. Yeah. Uh, so yep. it looks really interesting. I haven't, I don't know, have you talked to anybody like TJ about it or anything like that and gotten his thoughts? No. Okay. Yeah, I haven't really had much chance to look at it at all. But looking from what I have seen of the documentation, in the same way that Homestead made development easier in the beginning, and Valet had made development easy and quick without having to worry about how to set up a server or how to map your domains or anything like that. Vessel looks to be that next iteration sitting atop Docker. So it looks very straightforward. It means that you can basically put together your development environment and ship that with your repository. So you would include, obviously, the the reference to the package, but also your Docker file within your your repository and that means that the next developer that uses the thing can spin up the var- the environment exactly as it was on your machine so you know it'll have you know if you were working with redis if you had mysql 5.7 it's all going to be there ready to go so you don't have to worry about these minor differences between environments and it also makes it easier not that you would necessarily have to host containers for your production environments um, and that's one thing that I have spoken with TJ about. I don't think it, they necessarily do have Docker in production, but certainly makes it much easier to replicate your development and production environments. Yeah, I think like instead of sharing like a homestead, like so if you have if you've used Laravel Homestead before, right? You've got this box that you use and download and and. And uh, everybody kind of shares the same sort of environment. So you know that if it works locally, it's going to work on the, you know, it's going to work live kind of thing. Yeah. However, that box can be a little bit difficult to customize, I think. Uh, Homestead specifically, right? Uh, whereas with Docker stuff, you literally are changing, I believe, your, I think it's a Docker Compose. No, it's not Docker Compose. I think it's just your Docker file. So like if you, you have these different images that are defined that you're using, and you can just swap out the image. So like he talk, talks about how to do that, how to use uh, Postgre instead of MySQL or MySQL. Uh, yeah. yeah. So And then basically all you're doing is you're just replacing the string of the image. So the next person, you know, if you do that, push it up to your uh, repository, the next person that downloads it and, and gets their Docker running, it's going to update their image with that new, it's going to update their container with that new image that's getting used. Yeah. I'm sure I'm probably, I'm sure I'm probably mixing up all my terms. 
but yeah, I just, I've just started using Docker on a couple projects recently for development stuff. And I gotta say it feels uh-huh. super lightweight. Like it feels really yeah. nice. A lot, a lot lighter weight than uh, homestead ever felt. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. So yeah, if that's something you're interested in, we've got, let's see, what am I talking about? Okay. We've got a blog post out there on Laravel News. I'll talk about that a little bit. Or you can check it out at vessel.shippingdocker.com. Pretty cool. All righty. Let's see what else we got here. Those are our, so that's through Laravel related news and through community projects. So now we've got packages. So there's been, there were four packages that I was looking at that seemed pretty interesting. Let me see how many of them I used so far. I've used one of them, one of the four, which being that they just came out in the last week and a half or two weeks or whatever is actually mm-hmm. not horrible. So yeah, we've got one of them in production, which is pretty cool. Uh, let's, so why don't we start with that one? So uh, the one I'm thinking of is Tinks. Do you want to give me a... Do you, Have you looked at that at all? Do you know what that is? I did install Tinks into one of my projects this week, in fact. Yeah, yeah, same thing, right? So I saw Matt Stauffer tweeted out and uh, or retweeted or something. I was like, what is this? And so it basically makes working with Tinker easier. Like the more common things that you do, how many times have you had to like control C or to get out of your yeah. Tinker session and then yeah. restart Tinker so that you can get your most up, you know, recently updated code. So like, and then arrow up, arrow up to get to your last statements, right? And then press enter again yeah. to get back into that model. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, a couple of the things that it does that, that makes it easier to work in Tinker, uh, it has a command called RE, which will reload your Tinker session without having to restart Tinker, uh, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it will put together, there's a couple of different packages that you can use to do this, but how many times have you had to type like app backslash user to get to your models or whatever, right? Or any of the other models that you're yeah. using? Because a lot of times when you're in Tinker, you're wanting to use models. What this will do is this will assign a variable to all of the models in your root directory, I believe, or not in your root, but in your app directory. So instead yep. of having to type app backslash user, you just type like dollar sign U, and then you have all of the commands available to you. Yeah. If you wanted to do like user first, there's also a couple like shorthand methods. So like you could say dollar sign U underscore, I think, and that will do user first for you. So there's kind yep. of like, I think on the page itself, like on GitHub, it has a little GIF, right, of, of the author using it. And it's pretty interesting if you watch it. It just seems like it would save a lot of time. And um, yeah. so it was one of our one of our other developers that installed it this week. So I haven't really had a chance to play with it, but I like the idea of it a lot. Yeah, it certainly looks very intuitive, especially around those shortcuts. You know, it'll give you shortcut variables. It'll give you shortcut methods as well. And it's intelligent about it. So if you have like a user and a unicorn, model in your application well one of them is going to be us and one of them will be un oh, so there you go. it will cool. figure out and and it will it will find the shortest variable names of all of your models to make sure that they're all unique and so you can reference them reasonably easily yeah so it looks really interesting i would definitely give it a give it a look uh i think we had a tiny problem getting the actual model stuff to work for some reason um, yeah it didn't work for me initially either i think you have to either dump the autoload or something like that. Oh, okay. I did get it working. Yeah, but I can't remember off the top of my head what the specific reason was. Okay, gotcha. So maybe there's some stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. If anything comes out before we, or if we find anything, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else? I'll let you take the next one. What do you got? Which one you want to look at? All right. The other one that I had seen 
floating around, but I haven't really had a chance. I have, and for the record, like yourself, I haven't had a chance to actually use any of these other ones. But the other one I saw recently that was pretty interesting is this continuous testing dashboard for Laravel. Sure, yeah. Um, it was created by Antonio Rivero. And basically, it's like Laravel Horizon for your tests. So it gives you a, a web interface. It supports PHP unit, Laravel Dask, PHP spec, Bahat, and so on and so forth. That is, you know, basically anything that's executed in your terminal. So it's not only for PHP, you could also integrate it with Jest or Rake for your JavaScript test as well. And basically it'll sit there, it'll watch your test. It'll give you a, basically a web dashboard that lets you look at what's happening. So it'll give you a rundown of the tests that are run. It'll show you which one's passed, which one's failed. It even gives you a breakdown of you know what the messages were, what the errors were for the, really? the thing, all in the browser. Huh. Interesting. I'm gonna take a look. I'm gonna go to the GitHub repo here and take a little bit closer look at this. Yeah. There's some screenshots in there. Yeah. In the GitHub repo. Hmm. That is interesting. That'll kind of look at and so it doesn't actually run your tests, right? It just watches your tests that you're running in your browser or in your uh, CLI. Well, no. It looks like you can run the tests from within the project as well. Interesting. Like from the web UI. Okay, because at first I thought this was like uh, like a free version of Travis kind of thing where it's going to, you know, yeah. but I don't know. Hmm. I'm guessing this, you can't like integrate this with, you know, like pull requests or anything like that. It's not like you can. Mm. Yeah, I assume them. that it's only something that you would run locally. Sure. But even at that, like I can think of where this would be useful to say like, hey, because um, so for instance, we don't have, we don't have our dust tests running on Travis. So yeah. A lot of, like if I want to make sure that all the dust tests pass, whatever, I either have to double check with my developer and be like, hey, did you run the dust test or just run it myself? I can yeah. see where this might be interesting where you would say like, hey, when you submit a PR or whatever, like send me a screenshot along with the PR of all the tests that passed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's a part of the requirement. Like all of these tests must be passing before you submit a PR. And if you don't, mm -hmm. then... That's your next step is go some, you know, yeah. go run yeah. the tests, make sure all of them run. Cause that's, you know, typically we do that automatically when a pull request is triggered or whatever, then those tests run, those uh, continuous integration things run. But if there's like a bunch of other tests that you wanted to have run and you don't really want to get them set up with something like Travis, then this would be a good kind of like low yeah. cost way to do that. If you're, if you're doing something like private repos and you don't have the money to pay for Travis, you could do something like this and just have your team screenshot their stuff and send it along. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, pretty interesting. That's a cool project. Very cool project. Yeah. So uh, thanks very much for putting it out there. What was the name of the uh, developer there? Antonio Ribeiro. Antonio Ribeiro. Thanks, Antonio. Very nice job. Looks good too. Okay, the other one that we've got is Bootpack. So Bootpack is essentially a bootstrap for your Laravel packages. Uh, here are the kind of things that come out of the box with it. So it, co it creates a composer.json for a Laravel package. It creates a well-structured package directory. It will do the package discovery, the package service provider for the for Laravel projects. Dumps the autoload, initiates a Git repository, adds the local autoloader to the project composer.json. So I'm wondering if this is like that skeleton file that Spassi has out there. You know what I'm talking about for packages? Yeah, but I guess it's an automated way of doing it for you. Okay. Yeah, so you run. So if I mean, if if so, if you're working in a project, in a Laravel project, and you find yourself wanting to take some functionality out of it because you see you can uh, either reuse it in another application, or if you wanted to distribute that as an open source package, this will probably make that process for you 
easier where it required that. Like in Laravel 4, we used to have the the workshop. Was it, was it a workbench it was called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it would do yeah, all that stuff bench. for you. Yeah. So I guess this is similar in concept to that in where, you know, you run a command, it will set up all of this stuff and then you can copy in what you need from it and then, you know, do your development rather than the process that you have to follow now, which is kind of developing it and either symlinking it as a local repository or, you know, extracting it all out manually later yourself. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because you do have to run it from within, you know, so you run PHP artisan boot pack create and then the name of your package. So you have to run yeah. it from within a current Laravel application. But yeah, that looks really interesting because I'm with you. If that's exactly what this does, where it actually will help you kind of take out a piece of your code that you're currently using, this could be really helpful for me. There's a couple of things yeah. right now that I just that I could definitely do this with that I just haven't yet because it's sort of a little bit painful. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I could see that being super helpful. So boot pack, check that out. The last one mm-hmm. we've got is Collision. You want to take that one or you want me to take it? So Collision is a package by Nuno Maduro. Nicely done. That provides error handling for your command line applications. So it's built on top of Whoops and provides adapters for both Laravel Artisan and PHP unit. So when you're running your commands on the command line, if you get an exception, Laravel will generally collapse it, give you a, a small stack trace. You know, it won't give you the full stack trace. So what this does is it gives you a, I guess, prettified version of that where it will highlight the errors. It will highlight the lines that the errors occurred on. So you can see specifically what happened and you'll get the exception trace in there. So it's hard to convey verbally what this is visually, but it's certainly, it, basically, if you, if you take what whoops is in the browser, it's that on the command line. Right, right, which is super helpful. You know, how many times have you done like in Laravel 5.5, you have this awesome new thing in your tests called without exceptions or without handling exceptions? Yeah. Without exception handling, without exception handling, right? So a lot of times if you're doing like a high level sort of feature test where you're saying like just post to this route and see what you get back. A lot of times, like if you are just asserting at the end that you get like a 200 and it fails, they're completely non-useful messages because it just says something like asserting, you know, failed asserting that a 200 came back and you actually got a 404 or a 500 error or something, right? Yeah. And so if you do that without exception handling, you'll get the massive dump of the stack trace in your your, uh, CLI, but nothing that's like, I don't know. You always have to scroll to the top, whatever. This looks this looks like it just makes it a lot a lot prettier, a lot more readable. So well, it only gives you contextual errors, error messages. It's not just here is the entire stack trace. It's yeah, right. here is the line, and here is what caused this exception to be thrown. Yeah. So I can certainly see myself using it. Oh, for sure. I, I I wouldn't think that I would install it as a like a regular dependency. I would probably have it as a dev one because it certainly has great. Uh, what's the word? <laughs> it certainly looks like it'd be awesome for when you're running your test. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So you should definitely check this out. Looks great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for putting that together. Nuno Maduro, as Michael so eloquently put. Nicely, John. Nicely done. <laughs> okay. I got to ask one other thing. What is your shirt about? What is this? This like you have, okay. Sure. Uh, let me, let me explain this to everybody. Uh, oh, okay. It's got a basketball. Okay. Okay. That makes it. It's a it's a picture of all I saw was like the face, which is like this dude with a goatee and a chef hat. That's all I saw. But you can explain it to me now. now that I, 
No, I can see the whole so, thing. Stephen Curry. There we He's, go. They refer to him as Chef Curry. Got Chef it. Curry. Yeah. I picked this up in San Francisco International on my way out when we were there in at the end of on the beginning of August. So I was looking for some San Francisco themed what do you call it? Swag. Swag? Yeah. Memorabilia. Memorabilia. Uh, That's probably a better word for it. What's the tourist crap you get? Anyway. Oh, no. This was in there. This was in the airport. I also got myself a Golden State Warriors cap. So Are you so you're a Warriors fan? I enjoy watching the Warriors. I'm a Lakers fan, but I enjoy watching the Warriors. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. We've got a couple community links here. I'm going to kind of run through a, a few of them. So one that we talked about just before the show started with this email verification with 5.5. And I initially looked at this. I was like, email verification? That's like, of course, that comes out of the box with Laravel. No, it doesn't. I was thinking, I was read it. I read it validation, email validation. I'm like, who who would be making an article on email validation with Laravel 5.5? Like that would be ridiculous. <laughs> That's not what this is. We're talking about where a user goes to sign up and they then get a link in their email that they have to click before they can be verified as a user, right? Is that is that correct? That's, I believe what this is. Yeah. yeah. So this is kind of a little tutorial on how you can do that. With Laravel 5.5, they set up the migrations, the relationship, a verification controller, the routes, uh, update the auth controllers, and all this stuff. So it looks like it's a pretty comprehensive tutorial. If this is something that you need, it looks like this is uh, pretty well written. Lots of code snippets, and uh, it's on 5.5, so you know it's going to work with all your most recent stuff. So there was that. Yeah. In addition, there was a couple out there today or this week on how to install Laravel on like different environments now. Typically, when I'm installing Laravel, I'm putting it onto like a VPS, right? Virtual private server. And yep. that's where it's going. That's, that's I think, probably the most typical install. But we've got a yeah. couple of different ones here, like how to install Laravel on a cPanel server, how to install Laravel on a direct admin server. And these are both from uh, a company called Rose Hosting, looks like, which I've never heard of. So it looks like, oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So for, for people who are in those types of environments and you don't really have the option to do a VPS or something like that, uh, I thought I'd mention it just because it could be really helpful for those folks. So check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's certainly uh, something that's fairly common with agencies, smaller agencies that, you know, they're, they're providing the website, but they're also doing hosting and they're also doing email. CPanel makes it easy as as not the best for this kind of development it is in some situations that's what you've got and so you've got to make do with it so it looks like this laravel watchable package which michael and i are just kind of reading through this stuff this is what we do we like just get on in the morning and then we just you know we pretty much read the laravel news together some of this stuff at least the community yeah. links portions <laughs> some of the other ones we may look at ahead of time but the community link stuff we just kind of look through and be like hey what's interesting here so this laravel watchable package looks like it it is exactly that and meets that metric which is that it is interesting so it looks like it allows you to notify people who are watching a model when it gets updated, for instance, an order. So if you have an order and you update that status from uh, received to processing to shipped to or whatever, maybe that's not the maybe that was the wrong order. <laughs> but you get the idea that when the status changes, you want to notify people. That's what this hopefully I think accomplishes for you. So it's got this uh, watchable trait, and then it looks like you have a couple uh, couple things you have to set up. But it makes it easy to do that. So yeah, I might uh, might check that out. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. 
Man, there's so much stuff out there. It's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. You gotta you gotta have a catchy title if you wanna if you want us to <laughs> talk about it. Or you should tell us about it ahead of time. That's right. And then we will make sure that do we do that. Do you know what you should tell us about? If you have got a Laravel meetup coming up in the next well, this episode will be out. It's no good now. And we'll have another episode in two weeks. So if your next Laravel meetup anywhere in the world is after two weeks from now, reach out to us and we will do our best to use our voices to spread the word about your meetup. That sounds amazing. Yes, we should definitely do that. Yeah, we've talked about this a little bit before. And, uh, you know, it's definitely a part of the community section here. So why not, right? If there's a, if there's a group of people that listen in your area to this podcast and we can kind of help boost numbers for your meetup, we'd love to do that. So I think that's about it for this week, man. You know, we've, we've uh, read through quite a few yeah. things. And, in uh, addition. What's that now? In addition to us telling you about your, uh, us telling our listeners about your meetup, if you want Taylor to video chat into your meetup, reach out to him. He has offered recently. He's really? offered in the past. If you want to have a Q&A session with Taylor Otwell at your Laravel meetup, reach out to him and let him know that you've got a meetup coming up and you'd like to schedule it in. I know he's busy. I'm not going to speak to his schedule, but I know he's a busy man. So I would assume that you need to pin him down ahead of time, but he's he's willing to do it. How he's generous. willing to speak with your group. Uh, he's, um, it's, it was probably about a year ago, but he dialed in even to the Laravel Sydney meetup. Really? So he got up at, I'm sure, some absurd time because that meetup is, you know, six o'clock at night. So it would have been very early in the morning for him. But but he got up and he spoke with that that group as well. So wow. definitely reach out to him if you want to have him come and chat. That's super cool. That's so kind. Yeah. Way to go, Taylor. Thanks, man. Thanks for doing that. And uh, yeah, Taylor's just an all, all around, he's an all-American hero over here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It's like Captain America. So that's how, kind of how I picture. If if all of the you know big Laravel community people were superheroes, Taylor would be Captain America. Who would Matt uh-huh. Stafford be? He would have to be Tony Stark, surely. Ooh man, I like that. I like that. I like the lovable, super like funny, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd see that. Yeah, Tony Stark. Yeah, I gotcha. Okay, let's see. Uh, Till would have to be the Hulk because he's freaking huge. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, or Adam, right? I mean, Adam's huge too. Adam's a beast. Yeah, but he's I'd not make, as big as I'd Till. Till's Adam, pretty big. Adam the Hulk and I would have Till as Thor. Thor. Okay, there you go. That's, yeah, that's that's more reasonable. That's more reasonable. Yeah. Jeffrey Way. Who's Jeffrey? Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Yes. Both at the same time said the same thing. <laughs> Jeffrey, I hope you're okay with being Spider-Man. Who else? Who are we missing? I mean, there's so many people. It's hard, it's hard to start with something like this because you're always going to leave yeah. somebody out, right? <laughs> oh man, sorry if we sorry if we left you out, Eric Barnes. Who could we? Maybe we'd have to expand the universe a little bit. We're going to run out of characters. Yeah. Hey, reach out to us on Twitter. Yeah, let us tell know us who your Marvel version of Laravel community members would be. Yeah, and if you're if you've got any skills with like sketching or anything like that, you should definitely like. Ooh make some sketches and put some faces yeah photoshop yeah that'd be awesome we should do that hey we've been rambling i'm sorry everyone (laughs) for having to listen to our ramble but uh hopefully 
hopefully it was a good episode for you guys thanks for thanks for listening very much guys and girls uh what have we got we're about 50 minutes so according to michael probably 45 that's fine yeah i think i think we'll wrap this one up we good we good we're good episode 49 did i remember 49 49 all right everyone thanks so much for listening to episode what's that oh yeah 50th we got to do something special we need to do some giveaways or something oh speaking of giveaways speaking of or maybe we should hold on to them now okay if you are a user or if you've if you've heard of fbar fbar is a apple toolbar application for managing your forge servers and sites if you listen to the next episode we will have two promo codes that we will be giving away on the next episode so uh, listen, we will try and give one at the very beginning. So the first people who listen get one and then we will give one somewhere at some other point in the show. So that'll be next, uh, next episode in two weeks. Uh, until then, thanks so much for listening to episode 49. You can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 49. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. If not, we've already asked you a million times. We'll ask you again. Go ahead and give us some feedback. Reach out to us on Twitter at our own personal accounts or at Laravel News. And what else? If you have any questions, any comments, feel free to do it through there as well. Submit some community links. Let us know in advance. And uh, we look forward to seeing what uh, everybody comes out with in the next couple of weeks here. Yeah. Tell us about your meetups. Yes, tell us about your meetups. Uh, as always, thank you again to everybody who's involved in the community. Uh, we are so thankful to be a part of it and so thankful to be able to serve the community in this small way by putting this podcast out. So that's it. I think we're good. That is. All right. Wrap it up. All righty. Do you have any, any fun Aussie way to say goodbye to us today? No, no nothing funny. Nothing funny, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, nothing. Look, there's not really anything I can say without putting an explicit tag on the podcast, <laughs> and I don't want to do that. In case you didn't know, Aussies have uh, Aussies are kind of like known for their filthy mouth, right? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Uh, and if you get a, if you get them a couple uh, a couple beers in, it's it's even it's even worse. Uh, I've had I've had only slight experience. With this, when uh, when Aaron, who is Michael's Aussie buddy, <laughs> came over to the U.S. with us, that was fun times. Yeah. Never heard some of those he words before. <laughs> uh, oh, good times. Perfect. All right, all right, everybody. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. See you. Bye. Bye. Now, um, I just want to talk quickly about language, and then we can all go. Because, yeah, language, they do say Britain and America are two countries separated by the Atlantic Ocean. And, uh, and it's true. <laughs> now, they, they say two languages separated by, two countries separated by common language. That's the line. It's, a, uh, it's an Oscar Wilde line, I think. And we do pronounce things in a different way. Like you say caterpillar, and we say caterpillar. And uh, <laughs> now you say aluminum, we say aluminium. You say centrifugal, we say centrifugal. You say leisure, we say lysurae. <laughs> uh, you say basil, we say basil. And you say herbs, and we say herbs, because there's a fucking H in it. <laughs> But
But you spell through, T-H-R-U, and I'm with you on that, because we spell it thruff. <laughs> and that's trying to cheat at Scrabble. <laughs> How can we get that ooh sound? Well, a U will work. What about an O as well? No, we don't need it, we're fine. No, I think an O in. Well, all right. And a G as well. What? Yes, a G would be good. G sound. Yes, we need a, a silent G, just in the background, in case of any accidents or something. <laughs> well, all right. And an H as well. Now, oh, hang on. An H in case some herbs come along. All right. And a Q and a P and a Z. Look, it's a word in Scrabble that's 480 points. 